0: Listen, find your sermon outline there in your bulletin, and uh, it looks like a Sunday paper today. There's a lot of things in there, but you'll find your outline in there, and it's, uh, it's right there. So pull it out, and let's open our Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians Chapter 1, please. 2 Corinthians 1. If you're using that book rack Bible, which I hope you will if you don't have a Bible, uh, you'll find that on page 1794. Just a quick turn there. And if you don't have a Bible, we've got a bookstore open every Sunday, you can go in and purchase a Bible there. If you can't afford a Bible, go to our prayer room and we have starter Bibles, just paperbacks that we put in the hands of people. We want everybody to have a Bible when you come to church because we love God's Word here at Three Crosses and we believe that it is the only real true authority for our spiritual lives and so we just submit our lives to it and we're going to see some great things today on the topic of compassion we open this series today. It's a six-week series, Children of Compassion, Modeling the Father's Heart for Those Who Hurt. You know, the reality is there's a ton of people hurting around us, out in our culture, community, read the newspaper today. Uh, you, you just Everywhere you look, people are hurting. All around the world, people are hurting. In a crowd this size, many of us are hurting today. And today we want to open this series by getting a snapshot, just a look at... Who God is and we're going to see one of the beautiful things about God is his compassion for his people we're going to learn that today and hopefully in a way that will be very meaningful to us and we're choosing to do this series six weeks where not only we're just preaching through the series of compassion but we're also going to meet in home communities and discuss these things because a couple reasons one we really need to learn that God is a God of compassion that's the first thing we need to see that God is a God of compassion Some of us have an image of God that is harsh and unrelenting and uncaring and even distant from us. Uh, We take more of a deist approach where God sort of winds up the universe and steps back. It doesn't really care about us. And, And maybe we can figure out a ritual that we can get his attention. You know, we go after God that way. And that's not it. That's not what God wants us to know about him. And another reason why we do a series like this is because all of us need to grow in our compassion levels. We're just a little too indifferent to the needs around us. We walk by too many people. And I've had the sad and uh, embarrassing experience of at times, even on a Sunday, walking through the corridors here and someone walking by and, hi, how are you, I'll say to them. And they'll say, not so good, Pastor. And, and I'm just so into my routine. Hey, that's great. Good to see you. I keep going right by. And I take like three more steps. I go, what? What did I do? I go back and say, I'm so sorry. I wasn't really listening to what you are saying. And we've all had those experiences where we just really are not tuned in to the care needs of people around us. We walk by people that are crying. We, we don't know how to deal with people. And you, you've seen already out in the lobby, there's, we've got 19 plus care ministries. These are great tools to put in the hands of people that might need. And over the course of this series, if you know people that are hurting, people that are hungry, people that are wandering, people that need a touch and, and help in their lives, bring them because they're going to learn about the God of compassion, and we're going to learn together how to be more compassionate. So that's why we're doing this series. We're also just wanting to leverage the ministries that we have, so you know that there's opportunities for people to get help in any of the areas where there's where there's a need. So with that, um, here we are in Second Corinthians chapter one, and we're going to see a snapshot, really a, a beautiful portrait. I think the most beautiful portrait, really in God's word about who he is as a father of compassion and what that means for us. So let's just follow along. I'm going to read verses 3 through 11. Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Amen to that. Yeah, what a beautiful passage that is. And I don't know if you've ever read through that passage, but there's some amazing things that we're going to learn in this text today. There's two big things I want to show you and we're going to actually start in the middle of the text with the first big idea of the passage and that is that sooner or later everyone experiences hardship. Everyone goes through problems. Everyone has hassles in their life. Everyone. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have some hardships, don't you? Now I heard somebody say, Yeah, you're my hardship. (laughs) We've all got hardships. This is the first thing that we really have to understand, that we're not alone, even though sometimes we, we feel we are. Can I show you something in the text? Ten times in this passage, the word comfort, paraklesis, is used in the Greek language or a derivative of it. Ten times we find out about the comfort of God in this passage. Ten times. That's balanced by seven references to words like trouble or hardship or suffering. Seven times. So what that tells us right off the bat is that God's wanting us to see, number one, that he's a God of comfort, but number two, we're going to have trials. We're going to have hardships. Jesus even said, he said, in this world you will have what? Trouble. Trouble. Man, all of us have got troubles today. What is your trouble? Now, Paul doesn't go into any sort of detail here about the troubles that he might have experienced, although he mentions it. He says in verse 8, we do not want you to be uninformed about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. And right there he doesn't really go into much detail. I'm going to postulate, I'm going to suggest a few ideas of what Paul might have had in mind when he said uh, about his hardships. And I think scripture is so great because right here, you might have a hardship that Paul might not have included in the thing that he was talking about. But here's the great thing about Scripture. It transcends the writers of Scripture right into our own lives. And so, you know, if he gave you a list there, you might say, well, that's great, Paul, the Apostle Paul, but that's not my list. That's not my trial. Well, God sometimes keeps it very general because he wants us to know that even though this is contextualized, first century, about 57 AD, when Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and the problems that he had been through, this still applies for us today. The Bible is absolutely relevant for us today. And let me suggest to you some of the trials that maybe that maybe that Paul was going through. Uh, he might have been referring to some physical trials, and just write that down because we're going to put some categories here. Some physical trials, and let's just get a window into that. Hold your place in First Corinthians one, and just turn a couple of pages over to chapter eleven. And just it's a few pages over chapter eleven. And if you zero in on verses 23 through the, uh, somewhere down around verse 27, we're going to stop at verse 27, we kind of get a picture of some of the physical trials that Paul might have been going through. He says there, he says, I have worked much harder, about the middle of the verse, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 49 lashes minus one. Forty lashes minus one. Uh, that's 39 lashes was, a, was considered shy of death. Uh, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, dangers from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Sometimes when I have a bad day, (laughs) I I read this text. It's just a, a soothing reminder that life's not all that bad. Compared to this, I mean, who of us have anything close to what the Apostle Paul had experienced here? Oh, by the way, that's not to minimize whatever is going on in your life. What physical things are you dealing with? Some of you have had an injury lately, stepped off a curb, sprained your ankle, or you got a sling around your arm because you reached into the cabinet or you pulled your seatbelt down and you tore something, you know? I mean, we all have these annoying injuries, or maybe we were in a car accident or Some other kind of altercation or accident. Maybe we've been beat up. Uh, Maybe we've had a diagnosis that shows that our bodies are breaking down. Some of us are dealing with cancers and illnesses, uh, conditions and situations. I don't know. I mean, all of us have stuff going. What is your situation? Maybe you can really relate to the physical aspect of hardship today. And, And here's the thing. Behind all of this, just a reminder, God is a God of compassion. God knows what we're going through. Maybe your problem or your issue isn't physical. Maybe the hardship is emotional. Sometimes our hardships are emotional. They just strike us. It's not so much a physical issue, but it's an emotional issue. Paul wrote to the in, in Acts 20 where he's in his farewell speech to the Ephesian elders. He says, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears. Although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. I mean, he never goes into a whole lot of detail but when you know you're serving with tears there's a lot of stuff going on some of us today someone first service I was talking to after the service and as they began to talk to me just tears welled up in their eyes okay what's going on here some of us have emotional things going and we don't know how to process those things aren't you glad we come to a God that is the father of all mercies and compassion a god of comfort our hardship might be psychological some of us deal with psychological things and Right here in our own text back at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes about even despairing of life itself. Is anyone here today despairing of life itself, considering that maybe we'd be better off dead than alive? a crowd this size there's someone I'm sure weighing the options, weighing the issues, can I really go forward? We'll get back to that in a minute. The hardship might be relational. Some of us have relational hardships, a marriage that's strained or a divorce. Or we've got kids that are estranged and and away from us. Or we've got uh, problems at work or with our boss or a neighbor or someone that we don't really have much relationship with, but they're just on us. We've got relational issues, relational problems. And, And Paul knew all about that too, and God's Word gives us lots of examples. You know, Paul had a falling out with one of his closest friends, Barnabas. On whether John Mark should continue on their missionary journey, you can read about that in Acts 15, or Hymeneus the heretic in First Timothy 1:20, or Alexander the metal worker who did Paul a great deal of harm according to Second Timothy 2:14, or Demas the worldly deserter Second Timothy chapter four, verse nine, or the scorn and suspicion of the church even at Corinth that discounted his apostleship and sought to undermine his leadership. had relational problems. Do you? That might be somebody here today. There might be spiritual problems going on in your life. And I love if you're just still back in chapter 11, I love at the end of this, I stopped at verse 27, but look at verse 28 of chapter 11. Besides everything else, Paul says, I write, I, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak that I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin that I do not inwardly burn? Paul was burdened for the spiritual battles that people were in. That's incredible. Are you burdened for the spiritual battles in people's lives? Are you burdened for the physical battles in people's lives? Are you burdened for the relational battles that are in people's lives, the psychological battles that are in people's lives? You see, the reality is that a lot of us maybe have enough problems of our own, and that's the way we want to keep it. We say, I've got too many problems myself. How come I would want to be involved in anybody else's problems? And so we're very closed. We're very private. And we forget that all around us, people are suffering with the very same things that we're suffering with too. And so the first thing I just want you to see is that we all have hardship. They come in various shapes and sizes. Yours might be bigger than the person's next to you, or theirs might be bigger than yours, but we've all got them, and they might all feel just as big to us, no matter how big they are in relation to anyone else's. The second thing I want to point out here in verses 8 and 9 is that hardship can seem overwhelming. I mean overwhelming. Uh, it may, they may weigh us down. Look at verse 8. B at the end of it it says we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure great pressure it's amazing how when we go through hardships our body language tells the story our countenance tells the story you can kind of see it on people's faces sometimes can't you you can see the way they walk shoulders drooping you know just kind of down, and I've had the experience where people have said to me on a Sunday or, or during the week, little email: Hey, are you doing okay? You look kind of down on Sunday. <laughs> and sometimes, untruthfully, I will say, No, I'm fine. When there is stuff that's weighing me down. Why are we so afraid to admit to people? Yeah, I've, I got some problems. I'm dealing with some hardships. I'm struggling right now just to say those words. Some of us just can't even say those words. We live in this cell of, of, of separation from those around us because we feel, number one, we shouldn't complain. Number two, we ought to be doing better because we have a God that loves us and cares for us. Somehow we're just not tracking with what God wants to do with these hardships and how he wants to maybe break open in our lives a picture of himself that we've not seen or not fully embraced. It may make us wonder if we can even go on. Far beyond our ability to endure. Uh, A lot of us stop living before our heart stops beating. We, We don't know how to really live We're just surviving. We're just getting through life because life is such a hassle and it's such a pain. And every day is just more and more pain. Now the reality is, and don't let anyone tell you otherwise, being a Christ follower doesn't mean that you won't have pain. It doesn't mean that you won't suffer hardship. We're reading right here that our suffering and our hardships sometimes abound. But there's something else that abounds too. We might even feel at times like there's a death sentence over our life. I told you I'd come back to this and I want to I do that right here in verse 9. Look at it. Even indeed our hearts we felt the sentence of death. This is translated from a Greek word. It's the only place in the whole New Testament where we have this word that literally is translated no way out, no exit. Some of us feel that way today. Trapped. No possibility of, of improvement. And so now we want to look, that's the first big movement of, this, of, the, of the text. We've all got problems, and they are huge, and they can be overwhelming, and they can even put a death sentence over our lives. But, but now we're going to shift gears, and we're going to see something else that we need to see in this text. Here's the second thing. When hardship comes, there's a few things we need to know, remember, lock in, latch onto, embrace. Embrace. And there are three of them specifically. And now we're going to go back up to the top of the text and see what they are. And I think you can see what they are already. Number one, if you're taking notes, it's important to remember. Here's the first of three. We need to remember who can comfort us. I mean, who really can comfort us? There's a lot of things we run to for comfort. We might run to a friend. We might run to a loved one. We might run to stuff. You know, we need to play a little bit more in our lives. Sometimes when we're distressed, we, we look for outlets And and sometimes those outlets are not healthy. I mean, sometimes the way people solve their pressures and their problems is they they spend money. You know, I'm really down today. I'm going to go shopping. You know, that's kind of the... and, And we just put down the credit card, and now I feel better for like a few hours. Until we realize, especially a few weeks later when that credit card statement comes in, and we see that our, you know, our debt is growing... And then we're down again. How are we going to fix that? Well, we're going to go spend some more money. Some people are spenders. Uh, Some people um, go to substances. Uh, You know, I'm down today, so I'm going to go get a drink. I'm going to go smoke something. I'm going to relieve the pressure in my life. That's what a lot of people do. They turn to substances because their lives are stressed. They don't turn to stuff. They might turn to substances. They might even just turn to people um, and just look for people to be sort of a functional savior in their life. And we constantly run from one thing to to another. But Paul right here, he says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. So what do we learn about who comforts us? Write it down. God comforts us. And this is not just a statement of truth. It's a promise. God is the one. He's the Father of mercies. He's the one and the only one who can truly bring us comfort. This is the word that Jesus uses to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. The word that we translate in other places in Scripture, the the comforter. John 14, 16. John 16, 7. Jesus said, when I leave, I will send you the, the helper, the comforter, the paraclete, Greek language. The one who comes alongside It's the word that describes being brave together, having enough strength to move forward to the next chapter of our lives. And Paul says, notice verse 3 at the start, this should motivate us to praise him. In fact, when we have a lot of trials and a lot of hardship in our life, it ought to be a great motivator to praise because we know the God of comfort. Uh, I've been uh, in places where God's people have worshipped who have enormous trials and problems. I've been in places where prisoners gather, prisoner, literally prison. And if you've ever heard uh, prisoners sing in worship of God, it is thunderous. Something to do with the pressure of my life, knowing the God of comfort, the God that meets me in my pressure, the God that gives me bravery in that moment, that gives me great exaltation of the one who is. The God of my life I've been to places where God's people are under great persecution and suffering literally in fear of their very lives and their livelihood and the praise is often thunderous it's beautiful because there's praise and and Paul is saying here this this should motivate us motivate us to praise him praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ It's important to remember who comforts us. God comforts us, and this should promote praise in our lives. Secondly, it's important to remember why hardship is beneficial. Write that down. Why is hardship beneficial? Well, first of all, you might not have known that hardship is beneficial, but it is. You, and we'll get to that a little bit more in a second here, but the reason why it's beneficial, at least one reason, there's lots of reasons, but one reason why is because, if you're taking notes, it's God's way to bring comfort to others. If you're taking notes and if you like remembering things, this has helped me, just write somewhere there where you wrote, uh, it's God's way to comfort others, write down this, I am, not, not speaking to me, but you, I am the middleman. Just write that down. When we experience hardship, God wants us to have the mentality that God didn't necessarily put that there, although he's allowed it there, sometimes he puts it there, but God is allowing us to go through hardship so that we are the middle man. All we're to do is to be an advertisement to a world around us of where we run and where we find comfort and peace where nowhere and no one else can give to us we become a walking advertisement of how good and gracious our God in heaven is to a world that is hurting just like us when we experience comfort and that's what Paul says look at it who comforts us in all our troubles so that hena clause in the greek the purpose statement so that we can comfort those in all our comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from god so whatever it is that you've been through Whatever gauntlet, whatever trial, whatever hassle, God is saying, you're the middleman. I'm going to use that in your life to build comfort in somebody else's life. And don't start thinking that you're the only one, even though that's our natural default. Nobody knows the trials I've been through. Nobody knows the problem I've been through. And so we withhold and we stay inside. But as soon as we sort of crack the shell and let people know what God has done in our life through our hardship, when we see the comfort and experience the comfort of God, we open up the avenue for other people to come and find the same comfort from Him too. I was thinking as I was preparing this message, how many amazing ministries have begun as a result of somebody's misery? Misery to ministry. Chuck Colson, in prison, didn't know the Lord, comes to know the Lord. He was part of the whole Watergate thing, you remember that. Chuck Colson's now home with the Lord. But Chuck Colson, in prison, saw how lonely, desperate, terrible it is. And coming to know Christ in prison and wanting to share that light and love with others, Chuck Colson began a ministry when he got out of prison called Prison Fellowship. And now hundreds of thousands, millions of people all over the world have been touched by the ministry of Chuck Colson. Why? Because God turned his misery into a ministry. Think of Johnny Erickson taught a young teenage gal that jumped off the dock in a little lake and broke her neck, became a quadriplegic. Can you imagine a young lady having to face life knowing that no more would she use her arms or legs? And the story of her life, which many of you have read, and she's a, practically a household name in evangelicalism, a person whose misery turned into a fabulous ministry, whose Life has touched literally millions of people all over the world through Johnny and Friends, a way to touch people who have been handicapped, disabled, and have never experienced the love of God. But thankfully, through this ministry, God has touched many lives. Misery to ministry. I mean, you could just go down the list. In fact, all the people that you see on those blue sheets, the blue sheet in your bulletin that gives you the 19 care ministries that we have, most of those folks have had the same blunt-edge force impact of the issue that they're now bringing comfort to others about. That's why they're in those ministries. And so I want you just to think with me along these lines as we go through this series. What is the misery God's allowed in your life? Guess what? That's your ministry. You are a middleman or woman. You're the person that God wants to use to advertise God's faithfulness and beauty and all these things. You know, we've got stuff in our family too, and you know that. I'm kind of an open book. I don't share everything, but there's, we've had some bumps in the road. We've had some hardships, and the people that I'm in circles with and in accountability with and sharing my life with, you know, when I just share and sort of dump the stuff that's going on in my life, it's just amazing how people just open up. That's happening to you, Pastor? Well, let me tell you what's happening in my life. And let me tell you how grateful I am that I'm not struggling alone in this. Wow. I see so many people that are suffering alone. One of the things about care ministry is it allows us an avenue to where we can, we can experience, watch this, not the suffering together, but the comfort of God together as he uses our suffering to point us to himself. Why is it beneficial? Because it re- we realize that God wants to use it to comfort others. It's also beneficial, watch this, because it's the way we learn to rely more on God than ourselves. Has anybody ever told you, God will never give you more than you can handle? How many have ever heard that before? Next time that happens, just politely tell them that's not true. It's not. It's not biblical. Show me a verse where it says, God won't give you more than you can handle. You know what God does? God always gives us more than we can handle. You know why? So we will give it to him. So we will press into him. God doesn't tell us, you know, look, I'm just going to give you all this stuff and you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps because you can do it. That's not the message God gives us. He goes, yes, you failed. Yes, you had heartache. Yes, you've been a victim of things. Yes, your own sin has been enough to put you in a lot of problems. But I'm big enough to walk you through and out of, and sometimes continually in the midst of trials in this life that maybe won't go away till we meet Jesus. That's the gospel. The gospel is he rescues us from ourselves. He gives us new life, even though we don't deserve it. And he allows us the avenue to feel the power and the presence of Almighty God in the worst of all trials. Wow, I got news last night that one of our own members, David Grant, he sits right down here. He's not here today because he went home to be with the Lord yesterday. And no health issues, 53 years old. Had a little episode a couple weeks ago. They've been running tests. Yesterday he had an episode. Boom, he's gone. Talked to his wife last night. Wow, you talk about their lives totally different, upside down, trials, hardship, pain, suffering. It's all there. And along with that, the comfort of God. What a beautiful time to pray together, to hear Carolyn's voice say, I know God has a plan. You bring that stuff that you're dealing with to God today? You experience the peace of God in the midst of your trial? Oh man, I've got so many stories in people's lives in my own life to testify the fact that in the midst of whatever trial it is that we're going through, as hard and as dark and as difficult as it may be, right there, right alongside of us, is this amazing promise of God's comfort. Sometimes we feel it palpably, other times it seems distant from us, so we lean in harder. And sometimes it's a desert experience or we're saying, God, where are you? But we hang in there because we know that our God is faithful, and he meets us. Some of us, by, by the way, I've met people that have not experienced Christ followers who say, I've not experienced the comfort of God in my life. And I, I don't know. I can't solve it for them. That's something they've got to work out with God because God promises right here. He's the God of all comfort. So I'm going to trust God's word. There might be something interrupting that. I've found, and I can't say this of every circumstance, but I've found that sometimes people like to hang on to their suffering and not give it to God because it's a comfort zone for them. It's where their identity is. It's where the, all the attention comes. So they're going to say, I'm sorry, God can't cover me. God doesn't comfort me. I'm going to wear this like a robe in my life. And God wants to free you. God wants to get you free And you may have a malady that follows you all your life. You may struggle with addictions all of your life. You may may be in and out of process and problems all your life. But watch this. God promises that he's going to go right alongside of us. If we are his child, if we've come to trust in Christ, if the spirit of the living God lives in our life, he will ride this thing with us all the way to the end, giving us the comfort we need when we need it in his time. Well, we've got to release that to him, and we've got to trust him for that. I'm inviting you to do that, which brings us to the last thing we need to remember. We need to remember that God comforts, we need to remember that hardship has its benefits. And we need to remember that when it comes to God's comfort, He delivers. He delivers. And how's he delivered? This is fast. Just three little quick things. He has delivered us. That means, that's a past experience. I think Paul was probably referencing salvation there. I mean, just think about it. The ultimate deliverance, if you know Christ, has already happened. He's saved us from our sin and given us eternal life. Sinners, though we are, rebels of God, though we are, he has saved us in Christ and given us new life. Paul can always look back, so can we, and say he's done it. The greatest deliverance. Paul could also say he will deliver us. Do you see that there in verse 10? He will. That's a future statement. This is where you're going. This is where I'm going. Look ahead. Look forward. He's going to do it again. And even if we've got struggles throughout our lives, aren't we glad to know that someday all the struggle is over? And for some of us, that's going to be very soon. For some of us, it could be years down the road. That day is coming when all of what we've experienced in this life, all the trial, all the heartache, all the pressure, all the, all the hardship is going to be gone. And here's the beautiful thing. Paul not only says past and, and future, but he puts it in the present and he will continue to deliver us. That's present. That's right now. And I notice in verse 11 that how he does that. Is through the power and vehicle of prayer. Notice Paul says, as you help us by your prayers, as you help us by your prayers. There's something that engenders and evokes prayer among God's people when we go through hardships. We ought to be praying for each other. We ought to be asking how we can pray for each other. We should be utilizing that prayer wall every week. How can I pray for somebody? I may not even know them. How can I ask for prayer? Because prayer is part of the way God brings this comfort alongside of us. When you hear a trial that somebody's going through, offer to pray for them. I heard a really sweet little story this last week. A couple in our church were sitting at a park and some kids were going through the park. And they were from some church in the area. And these kids were like uh, elementary age kids. And they walked up to this couple, these two little kids... And they walked up to the couple. They identified themselves. Hi, I'm so-and-so, and this is so-and-so, and we're with this church. And we're just asking people today if, if we could just pray for them. And they were so taken back. Wow. Sure. So these two little kids, elementary age, just, just prayed over this couple. And it just touched them. And then, boom, off their went. When you talk to somebody that's going through a trial, when you hear in the voice that they're speaking to you about that there's an issue going on, why not... Why not just offer to pray for them? I would love to see the day where there were more prayer conversations going on in our service, after services and out in the lobby area, than just conversations. How beautiful it is to see someone just put their hand on a brother and just pray for them, or a sister, just pray, or a neighbor my little neighbor Claire and those next door oh she needs Jesus and she's been through so much and she lost her husband and every chance I get when I'm out in her yard with her and she shares some of the woes that she's going through a body that's falling apart she's alone in her life I say Claire come on we gotta pray put my arm around her and just pray Picks her up pray for people pray for people and if it's not in the right moment Because you're not trying to embarrass somebody. You know, be very careful with this. Because somebody might, that just might like, whoa, what? You know, like, what am I supposed to do? I don't know, you know. Just be sensitive. But just, you know what? I'm going to be praying for you today. That's good too. If it doesn't work to pray with them right there in that moment. You know, you're with your boss and you're at work and all the workers are around. Could I just pray for you right now? (laughs) I see you're a little upset today. I wouldn't suggest that. If you're alone, maybe, but not in a group. You know, just be sensitive. But prayer can minister. And notice what happens then. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answers to the prayer of many. You know, what? Ha- when there's a lot of care going on, there's also a lot of thanks going on. You see a ministry where there's a lot of praise and a lot of glad hearts it's because there's a lot of prayer and a lot of comfort going on. All right, so that's it today. We're just, God, this is who you are. Now for the next six weeks, we're gonna be walking through how does this God of comfort move us as the middlemen, the middlewomen, to touch a world around us Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are so good to us and we acknowledge that while we have been nothing but rebels and insincere and religious and all the things that kept us from you, by your grace, Lord, many of us in this auditorium right here have, have, have run to Christ, run to you, Lord, and we've found forgiveness of sins and new life we have been delivered and Lord, we only want to be a vessel, uh, a pathway, a, a vehicle, a tool in your hand to bring your amazing comfort and blessing and deliverance into the life of someone who needs it around us. And Lord, we all have people that we love and all, we all have people that we don't even know. We walk by, there's hurt and pain everywhere. Lord, slow us down. Would, would that we would be a church where when people hear about three crosses, they think that's that church that really cares for people. And Lord, that would be the testimony because you're a God of comfort and mercies and you comfort us in all of our trials. So Lord, we embrace that today. If you brought someone today that needs a relationship with you, may they not take another minute before they just cry out for you to save them, to forgive them, to give them new life, Not a better life, but a new life. That they might walk with you. And for those of us that know your love this morning and know your comfort, Lord, use us today, tonight, this week, wherever we go, because there's no end to the people we know and meet that are hurting in their lives. Let us be tools and instruments of compassion. Yours, I ask. And now, Heavenly Father, may we just take these final moments of this service and to sing back to you what we believe about you and what we believe that you can do in our lives. Let us let this be a time of beautiful worship and praise for the one that we love, the one who has delivered us and who promises to never leave us. Would you stand with me and let's honor and worship the Lord Jesus Christ this morning.